All right, well, once again, welcome everyone. And uh, for those listening online, my name's Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking this morning. And uh, just as we begin, we do just want to thank everybody for coming and just say we have some more chairs and that up here now. So if you're crowded for a seat, okay, some of our middle school crew, they were with us for worship and then they're to their activities. So we've got a bit more room here. Um, as Gary said, we just want to take a moment just to thank uh, many who um, helped organize this weekend, which is quite a monumental task because as of about Friday afternoon, um, at some point between Friday evening and now, we've had about 240 people uh, registered to be here. And so we want to thank, first of all, Sally's the main person who organizes all that. (laughs) So once again, Sally has done an amazing job uh, administrating all that. And uh, plans for next year. So this year, organizing this year started at about May 28th last year. Okay, so it takes a whole year to get uh, these things organized. Uh, again, we want to thank the moving teams, the AV team, the worship teams, all the people behind the scenes that you didn't see at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon. You probably won't see it 2 or 3 this afternoon. Um, so we want to thank all of them. And if you get a chance, make sure you thank all the Green Hill Lake staff who've done a great job with our kids, cooking, cleanup, everything, okay? So many things to be very, very thankful for. Okay, well, this morning, um, I was very tempted after hearing Mark speak yesterday, and most of you are here for that, and we'll get that online in case you couldn't make it yesterday, and Mark was speaking on life of Abraham. Uh, I was very tempted today just to say, Mark, I know you must have more stuff. Why don't you just keep speaking? Especially when I woke up this morning, I was like, what was I doing planning on speaking this morning? (laughs) It would have been so much easier just to say, Mark, keep going. But here's the thing, okay? I really believe that God wants to speak to us this morning, and I believe he's given me a message that's a timely message for our church. It's a timely message for those going to Charlottetown or already in Prince Edward Island, and I believe it's one of those messages that God's put on my heart for this time that's going to help us in the future, okay? And so the future, I mean like starting tomorrow, okay? So basically uh, what I want to do, and sometimes when you write a message, it's helpful sometimes if at the beginning, if you can just put sort of in one sentence or in two sentences at the beginning, okay, if I can accomplish this goal at the end, then, you know, hopefully we've done it. So this was my purpose in this message that I believe is from God. It's this. If I can get this. The purpose is this. To cast a biblical vision for church planting in our day and time for Atlantic Canada and beyond, including Charlottetown and Fredericton and 10 other cities and towns with university and colleges and unreached peoples, including the French and First Nations. So uh, That's a pretty big task, isn't it? I'm going to say it again, Darren, okay? We'll get it out to you, okay? This is what I believe the objective for this morning is this. To cast a biblical vision. So we're not just making this up. This is a biblical vision for church planting in our day and time for Atlantic Canada and beyond, including Charlottetown and Fredericton. Those are the two ones we're working on right now. Ten other cities and towns with university and colleges and what I would say are most unreached people groups in Atlantic Canada, French-speaking First Nations. So now that I've got your attention, okay, 
let's take a look at God's word, and then we're going to hone in on some of these things, and whew, it's a weighty thing, isn't it? But God's here, and uh, he's going to speak to us this morning, and I believe, okay, this affects my future, this affects my family's future, this affects every person in this room, if you allow it, this will affect your future. So you need to pay attention and let God speak to you this morning, okay? So we're going to be speaking mainly from Romans, and that's the, um, taking a look at it, and hopefully, there we go. But we're going to start just with big picture, and we spoke on this a few weeks ago, so if you missed it, if you go to our website, you can look at April 21st, because if I could have had my way, I would have done that message and this message back to back, okay? But we didn't, so on April 21st, we were finishing our series on the book of Matthew, and we looked at the end of Matthew chapter 28 about go make disciples of all nations. So we're just going to read this passage, and it's the last things that Jesus said. And it says, Now when the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So that's a very comforting word, that they saw the resurrected Jesus, and some still doubted. So if you're doubting here this morning, you're in good company, okay? So don't leave yet. When Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we see right there, there's this whole command to go. And as you go and make disciples, Jesus says, he's with you. Okay? So there's a challenge for us. And I'm reading a great book right now. One of the guys who's uh, written, he said this, he said, and I thought it was a fascinating sentence. It was a little bunny trail, but it's really good. He said, when people come to me and say, I don't feel God, and I don't feel God's with me, Penny just nailed it. He always asked, are you making disciples? Because Jesus said, as you go and make disciples, I am with you. Okay? So that's just a little note to self. Okay? Now, what we're going to take a look at, we're going to fast forward. So that was Jesus, okay, to his 11, and then he ascended back to heaven. They waited for the Holy Spirit to come, and we can read through the whole book of Acts what that looked like, and they were clothed with power from on high. And then we see in the book of Acts, as we get to Acts chapter 9, I've got to fill in a few blanks because we're going to pick it up in Romans without the background. So you've got to understand the context of what we're going to be looking at, okay? There's a guy named Saul who is anti-Christian. So he's against the Christians. He's actually persecuting the Christians. He thought he was doing the right thing for God, and he persecuted the Christians, and then God, Jesus, revealed himself to Saul and in a powerful way, and he changed his life, and he spoke to Saul, and he said, why are you persecuting me? And he revealed himself, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, and Paul was bl- Saul was blinded. He went, Ananias came, prayed for him. He received the Holy Spirit. He was baptized just as was commanded, okay? And then he became a follower of Jesus. It radically changed his life. And then he had a call. Okay? Jesus said to him in that time, he revealed to him that he's going to be sent to the Gentiles. That's going to be his primary thing, to spread the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul did that. And what we're reading is a letter to the Christians in Rome. And we're at the very last chapter, at the very end. And Paul's been wanting to go to Rome, and he's writing this letter. It's an incredible letter. I mean, the book of Romans is absolutely incredible. And we get to the very last bit, okay? And a lot of times commentators, they kind of skip over this part because the first eight chapters of Romans get so much 
and rightfully so, attention that sometimes the back end of Romans kind of gets dismissed because they're just like, well, it's Paul's personal greetings. He's just saying hi to people, which is true. But there's this little bit in here that's really kind of radical that we want to look at this morning. And Paul's writing, he's saying to the Romans, I'm coming to you, but actually I'm only coming to you because I want to be with you and everything, but then I want you to send me out into Spain and to other areas. So this is where we're going to pick things up. And here's a great prayer. Romans, this is Romans 15, verse 13. Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. And this is it. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around, how do you even say that? Anyone got a guess? You guys are no better than me on this one. Illyricum, thank you. Dorothy, I should have asked you beforehand. Okay, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. We'll come back to this. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have not been told of him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. So Paul's like, guys in Romans, you're doing great. I've got some things I want to share with you. I'm on my way. I've wanted to come to you for a long time, but I've had so many other things to do. I've been prevented, but I want to come to you, but I'm not just going to stay with you. I want you to help me to go to Spain where they haven't heard about Jesus yet. And I can't even come right now because I've got to take this gift for an offering to Jerusalem, but don't worry, I'm on my way. <laughs> That's pretty much what he's saying. But there's some fascinating tidbits in here that we just want to explore and we want to take a look at how they apply to today, okay? So first thing we want to take a look at is really this call to go. And as Jesus said, go and make disciples, okay? There's a whole connection to what Mark spoke on in such a great way yesterday about the life of Abram who became Abraham. And we see this Old Testament example, and we're going to see sort of Saul became Paul, if you missed that part, as a New Testament example. So a quick review in case you weren't here yesterday. In the Old Testament, God called a guy named Abram, changed his name to Abraham, and he said to him, you can read it in Genesis chapter 12, he picked Abram and said, go, leave your family, leave your country, and go to the place where I'm sending you. Okay, so he received this call from God. And as he went and he received this call from God, God gave him promises. There's almost so many promises in there, I can't remember them all, okay? Because you go in chapter 12, oh, there's some promises. You go to the next few chapters, oh, there's some more promises. Keep going, oh, there's some more promises. God gave him 
promises. And Abram believed those promises. Now he wobbled, as we saw yesterday, okay? Because there's, you get promises from God, you don't know the time frame of when they're going to be fulfilled, okay? And so there's some wobbles in there, but God called Abraham. Didn't deserve it, God called him. Sheer grace, God picked him in God's sovereignty. Abraham obeyed, he was given promises. And then we see this, we see God's provision. God provides. Hallelujah. In order for the promise to be fulfilled, Abraham and Sarah needed a child. Okay, and even though it was against impossible odds, God came through. So God calls, God promises, and then God provides. And we have this incredible example through Abraham. And the challenge to us is, as we go, okay, we respond. And many times it's a mixed thing. We respond in faith. God has spoken. And this morning, you're thinking, God is able, and you're just like pumped, and you're ready to go, and you're going to take on the world and everything, and it's awesome. Okay? And by Wednesday this week, <laughs> this word will come to light, and you're doing well if you get to Wednesday, all right? Some of you on the drive home, you're going to be, what did I just agree to? <laughs> and fear comes in, and that's always the way it goes. It's this battle between faith I've heard from God, I'm believing God, it's God's word, it's God's promises, and I'm daring to believe the word of God, looking at the facts, all that, and we battle fear. What if this doesn't happen? All these things, okay? And that was Abraham. Now, the exact same thing happened as a New Testament example. Saul became Paul. So you've got to think about, like, Abraham, Old Testament was kind of like pagan, didn't know God, all that. Saul, who became Paul, was actually against Christianity. So there might even be a few people here this morning. You might even be against Christianity, and you're here. Okay? The good news is this. Okay? God can still change your life, and he can radically alter your view of who you think God is, and he can change your whole life, your whole destiny, because God calls people. And he called Paul. He revealed himself. Okay? Just as a just as a sort of thing in our theology, okay? The Holy Spirit, powerful, and we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can quench the Holy Spirit, but I've just sometimes heard this thing, and and it's the right way, but I just want to speak into it just for a quick second, okay? That the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, that the Holy Spirit will never force you to do anything against your will, all of that, which is somewhat true. But let me tell you, when God calls you, he's not a gentleman sometimes, He comes in power. Saul, he knocked him right off his horse. If he was even on a horse, whatever. All we know, he was blind, and he was like, God called him. Okay? So God can interrupt our lives, whether we want it to or not. Okay? And some of you, your lives might be interrupted here this morning. Okay? And it might be messy, but God does it because God's got a purpose. He called Paul, and he gave him promises. So he set Paul aside even for a while, and he said, because he said to Ananias, okay, you go and pray for him. Ananias is like, God, I don't know if you know what's going on here, but you, know, you recognize Saul isn't one of the good guys, okay? So maybe you just didn't quite clue in enough, but he's actually against us. And Ananias, bless him, he went. I mean, what obedience, right? And like, okay, here I go. And while Saul was blinded, and he didn't eat, he didn't drink or hang, God was showing him what he was going to do. He said, 
God's shown him, I'm giving you promises. I'm sending you to the Gentile. You're going to suffer. You're going to be persecuted. He laid it all out before him, but he gave him promises. Okay? And then God provided. And how did God provide for Paul? Okay, we just read about it. He said this to the Romans. He said, okay, I was able to go because of the grace provided to me by Christ Jesus. Okay, this is so key things here. Okay, when God calls, okay, God provides. Okay, God provides, and he provides grace. And what do we mean by grace? There's the saving grace, that we're saved by grace. We don't deserve it. Jesus died on the cross for us. He took our place. All that is saving grace. Absolutely. Amazing grace. Powerful. But there's grace for every single day of life. And it's God's empowering for you to live a life to God. So it's not like you get saved and then, okay, God saved me. And then you go on your way again and I'll see you in heaven. And God's off onto the next person. And you're on your own going like, I'm glad God saved me. I'm glad I got a glorious future. But man, I'm on my own (laughs) in between. God gives his Holy Spirit and he gives empowering grace every single day. And Paul's going to say, hey, God called me to the Gentiles, but he gave me grace to be able to do it. Okay? And you know what? God gives us grace every single day. So you've got to understand that. And I hope you honed in on what Mark talked about yesterday. Okay? Because we can all disqualify ourselves on every way. Okay, you can disqualify yourself if God calls you to some sort of leadership. Okay. I've got four kids. I block it all out, okay? <laughs> so keep focus, people. Keep focus. A few babies screaming. That's all right. Hallelujah. We have babies, okay? So that's good. Keep focused on what we're talking about. Okay? Focus. Okay? None of us are disqualified. When God saves you and you're in Christ, you're qualified. Okay? You're an ambassador. Okay? And God gives you his Holy Spirit and he gives you empowering grace. Okay? Where you think you're in the greatest role or the smallest, there's grace there. So what Paul needed to go to the Gentiles, God provided grace, this enabling, this power from God. He provided the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, our counselor, our encourager, our helper, the one who comes alongside. He reminds us of the things of Jesus. He reveals things for the future. Okay? He is with us as we go, okay? And we can recognize that in every way. I can recognize that in my life. I remember God calling me, okay, 1994. Out of the blue, I was in phys ed. I've told you many times before, God spoke a prophetic word to me before I even knew what a prophetic word was, okay? I hadn't even heard much of the Holy Spirit, okay? And God spoke to me through another man, and he said this to me, and it rocked my world, Okay? in a good way. This guy looked at me on Easter Sunday, 1994, and he said, Joe, I believe God wants to say this to you. Okay? There are many pastors in this world who shouldn't be pastors. Because my excuse always was I didn't really have good role models. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to become that. Okay? <laughs> so that got my attention. There are many pastors in this world who shouldn't be pastors, and there are many men in this world who should be pastors who aren't, and you're one of them. I was not a happy camper. (laughs) I wasn't. I was like furious. Okay? But something in me went like... That that resonated with me. And I fought with God all afternoon. Okay? I should have been studying for exams. It was right in the middle of exams. 
I fought with God. I'm serious, I did. I knew it was God, and I'm like, God, I don't understand it. God, I don't want to do that. I, not, I don't know how. I don't have the education. I don't have the background. I'm not cut out for that. I can't be a pastor. I can't be what I think you know, that's supposed to be. And I wrestled all day, and I wrestled all afternoon. And by supper time, I came to this conclusion. I said, because when you wrestle with God, you lose. <laughs> Moral of the story. And I said, God, okay, at the end of the day, if I follow you and if this is what you want me to do, I'm, in my, I'm finishing my third year of phys ed. I'm like, how do I go from phys ed to be a pastor? I don't understand it. And I said, God, worst case scenario is this. If I follow you and I become a pastor, okay, I'll never have any money. No woman will ever want to marry me, and I'll have no friends. But if that's the worst case, then I will, I will do it. And that night, went to a youth rally. Okay, that night, Easter Sunday, 94. And the whole theme of the evening, as I went, after, like, I just went, like, oh, man. The whole theme of the evening was on making yourself available to God. So every song, the drama, the message was all about making yourself available for God. And I remember the late Jim Shaw, he spoke, and it was like 400 people, and that was like, it was me. Because Jim Shaw said, God doesn't care if you have an education or not, make yourself available to God. God doesn't care if you have money or not, make yourself available to God. And I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) I went forward that night, and I knew, I knew I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know anything, but I'm just making myself available to God, not knowing anything of the future, okay? And at my lowest point in making that, I got an email. Email was just starting back then. That tells you how long ago it was. I got an email from a guy who I hardly knew, and I'm sure it was an angel sent it, because I don't think this guy has never sent me an email since, and there was no, there was nothing to it. It was just like two lines from his email account, so God hacked his email (laughs) and sent it from him. Okay, it was just this little line, and I remember I still have it because I use it pretty much every week. Okay, it's this. Okay, now if I get it right, God doesn't call the qualified. Okay, he qualifies. No, how does that go? Qualifies the called. Thank you. And that was it. And I was just like, thank you, God. That that phrase, okay, got me through. And I still have it with me every day. Okay? Because I still don't have a Bible degree. I still haven't been to Div school. I might get there someday. (laughs) Okay? All the things I thought had to look this way, God did it a different way. Okay? So with Paul, with Abraham, with Paul, and today, okay? God calls, God promises, and then God provides. And whatever your calling might be, because I believe every one of us has a call, okay? And it called into work, it called into your serve your family, all those things. I believe God wants to give you promises. There's some general promises from the Word of God that if we get nothing else, that's all we really need. But then I, He's kind and He gives us some personal ones and He gives us some ones as a church as well. And when He gives you promises, He provides. He gives you grace, God's enabling power. He gives you His Holy Spirit. The other thing he does, he gives you some common sense. He gives wisdom. And that's another part where Paul, 
Paul, we look at his life, okay? He was led by the Holy Spirit, and he had strategy. Okay, now let's take a look at the next thing. What do we mean by strategy? Hopefully some of you can see, hopefully you can see that. Okay. Paul's strategy was this. He listens to the Holy Spirit, and so we don't have time to go through all the epistles and everything, but in the book of Acts, but so many times Paul, the Holy Spirit said, Paul, he spoke to him in a dream. I want you to go here. He saw a vision Macedonian. I want you to go here. Other times the Holy Spirit says, said, shut the door. He wanted, Paul, I want to go here. Holy Spirit said, no. He shuts the door because I want you over here. Sometimes Paul says, you know what? I don't have friends to come with me. I'm not coming by myself. I'll have to come to you later because I'm working in team. These people can't go. We're not going to come right now. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He was also led by strategy. And what do we mean by strategy? Well, here's some wisdom, okay? Now, here's a question for you. Back then, if we could travel back 2,000 years, and Paul makes this incredible statement, okay? He says, from these areas, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel, okay? And he says this right down here. He says, I no longer have any room to work in these regions. Now, here's the question. Do you think everybody was saved in those regions? So what in the world is Paul talking about? How can Paul say, hey, you know what, guys? I finally get to come to you now because there's no more room to work in these areas. If you look at a map, it's quite a wide area. Paul's able to say that because of this. Because Paul knew in strategy, the Holy Spirit, and this is where common sense and wisdom and the Holy Spirit leading us work together. They don't have to be against one another. They work together. Because Paul knew he had established churches and key centers and key locations that he knew as those churches were established that they were going to be healthy enough to then go forward and reach all these different peoples and towns and rural areas because these key centers had been established. That's why Paul was able to say, hey, I'm done here. I can go somewhere else that needs more help because I know I don't really have any more room to work here because he had established local churches in very key centers that he knew would continue to go on. And what did these churches look like? We see this. He talked all about it's Jesus. So it's the gospel. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's life Jesus lived. It's his death. It's his resurrection. It's his ascension. It's his sending, sending the Holy Spirit. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God advancing. It's everything that you hear, hear about Jesus in every way. That's what Paul was all about. We are founded on Jesus. It's all through Jesus. It's for Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. So it's saturated with Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. Everything is through Jesus. Everything is for Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. And from that, he said, I was able to establish it in word and deed. So when Jesus gets formed in us, it changes our talking, it changes our thinking, it changes our doing and being. So being a follower of Jesus, things change. So as churches are established as disciples, so this is the whole part of going. You think, okay, we're supposed to go and make disciples. How do we do that? This is how Paul did it. He went and established local churches. And how do we know that? Because we can see all his writings. He says, Titus, okay, I want you to go back here. I want you to establish elders here. He teaches them about the Corinthians. Man, you guys are messed up, but bless you guys. Man, you guys are great. You're in Christ. God's giving you all the spiritual gifts. You're saints, even though 
weird, perverse things are happening. And he sorts things out. And he says, these people, okay, you get ready to go here. You send an offering over there. It's all networked. How? Through local churches. That's how Paul went and made disciples. And he did it. Jesus, word and deed, he says, with signs and wonders. And this is the great combination of word and spirit, right? It's the word of God. It's Jesus, okay? And if there's no supernatural things, okay, there's a good part to that in the sense of all we need is the word of God. But folks, there should be a supernatural dimension to it. And we need a supernatural dimension to us. Because to be honest, sometimes we can't really say too much that we came and we've established with signs and wonders. We've had glimpses. We've had some healings. Okay, we've had people, some power encounters, all those things. But more and more, we want signs and wonders to accomplish and confirm the gospel, especially here in Atlantic Canada. Right? Okay? We want to say Jesus is real and alive today and with the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And I think one thing we've kind of lacked in Atlantic Canada is the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And this is how Paul established churches and this is how he's able to say, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, I'm able to come to you. Okay? That's how Paul established things. Now, there's all kinds of different ways those churches looked. Okay? So we're not into just one pattern. Okay? Church in Antioch looked different from the church in Jerusalem, looked church in Ephesus. So there's lots of variety, and there's lots of different things. But the point is, churches were established in key centers that knew we're going to go out from there and radiate out into other areas so that Paul could say, I know this is going to be taken care of and I can go to new regions. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? To be able to say that. So that's Paul's model, very briefly. We won't get into so much the nitty-gritty details, but that's the overview. So our command is this from Jesus directly. Go make disciples baptize them, teach them everything I've commanded, and I'm with you. And you can say, okay, great. How do we do that? And one example from the New Testament is Saul. God changed his name to Paul. He gave him a call. He gave him promises. And then he provided these things. He provided the Holy Spirit. He provided grace. He provided friends and team. And he established local churches that he knew were going to reach all these different regions. And then he said this, I want to go. It's my ambition to keep going where Jesus hasn't been made known, where people don't know about Jesus. That was his ambition. And he was unashamed in saying that. And that should be our ambition as well. And so how do we take some of these principles, how do we take some of these things, and how do we take a look at them for our day and for our time? Well, let me just share a few things with you, okay? And we're going to sort of hone these things into our day and in our time. Okay. Let me just share a little bit about how we've kind of, how we believe God's led us to this whole sort of vision of 12 cities and towns, just as a starting point. Okay. God just reminded me in worship this morning. I hadn't thought about this in years and years and years and years in years. But in the early days of our church, when we started, we actually met, back then it was still Keddies. It's where the St. Thomas, one of the residences now down on Forest Hill. 
Um, so for all of you who never knew that was a hotel, that was a hotel called Keddie's. And we used to rent there. And God just reminded me of this in worship this morning. I remember on Keddie's there was a big map of Atlantic Canada, and all the stars were on it where all the Keddie's were in Atlantic Canada. And I remember saying, okay, I remember saying out loud in my very young naivety of just wishful thinking of saying, wow, you know, we're going to have churches like that all across Atlantic Canada. Now, I've forgotten about that for, but God just re- reminded me of that <laughs> this morning in worship. And back in um, October of 2009, um, Jeremy Simpson, actually his first visit with he and Anne, we had a prayer meeting. And Kim Fenwick, who just shared this morning, had that picture of Jesus and everything. I remember at our prayer meeting, okay, Kim started praying. And Kim's a professor at St. Thomas and Fredericton at the university there. And Kim started praying for these different towns and cities. Uh, she was just sharing her heart and praying um, for these different towns and cities and really a heart cry for God to move in these different places. And as she was praying that, and this is how God can work in like 10 seconds, right? As she was praying, it just like God just dropped it in me, in my heart, in my mind. Like it all was there in like 10 seconds of Kim praying. God just dropped in me. Okay, that. That's what we're going to do, is we're going to put churches in those towns and cities that have university and colleges, and that's our starting point. So you've got to hear me. That's our starting point. I'm from little old Pugwash, okay, in rural Nova Scotia. So before anyone complains about we're only going for the cities and what about all the people out there, I understand I'm one of them, okay? We'll come back to that in a minute. But God dropped it in my heart, that that's our starting point. And it was one of those things you can't, it's hard to explain, okay? It's just, it's there, and you just know, I heard from God. And again, you have more questions than you do answers, but you just know, God has spoken. And that was the beginning of praying, and beginning to seek God, and just saying, okay, we don't have a sweet clue how we're going to do this or what, but God's put something in there, okay? And then fast forward, Okay, up until, um, well, I'll come back to the Charlottetown thing. Let me just stop there for a second, okay? Let me just say, you got you to gotta hear that because it's one of those things where, as we see with Paul, okay, it's both a God-spirit-led thing. God, we weren't looking for it. We didn't, you know, plan it. It wasn't one of those things where we had a strategy session and say, well, now let's just think about what's, God dropped it in our heart. Now, here's the thing. It is very strategic, Okay, it's very, very strategic. And why do we say that? Because university and college okay, is a huge, huge place where people don't know Jesus. So if you think of Paul saying, I make it my ambition, I want to go where people don't know Jesus. Okay, that's one of our prime areas where people don't know Jesus. So now I'm, what I'm saying, okay, hear me. I'm not saying we're having a church just for university students. That's not what I'm saying. We need churches that are filled with people from every age group and parents and grandparents and singles and everything because we need to learn from one another. So we're not just going for university students, okay? But it's strategic and that university students that are a great ground for people to meet Christ. And if you go through our stories, okay? You go through Gary, university. Barb, got to get a hold of her life, late teens. Angela, passionate 
University. Mark, saved at university. Marilyn led Kevin to Christ, and then they got married, okay? (laughs) At university, okay? And you just go through, and many stories are, it was during that sort of age 18, 25, God gets a a hold of people's lives. It's a very strategic time, okay? So university and colleges. Okay, here's the other thing. Okay, as people go to university, guess what else happens? University is also time many people fall away from Jesus. So it's an opportunity many times for people to know Jesus. For many Christian kids, it's a time when they fall away from Jesus. Why? Because a lot of times they're away from home and they don't have a church family around them. Okay, we need church families. Okay, another strategic thing is this. We don't have the benefit yet of whatever, for lack of a better term, cross-pollinization, is how many times have we had people from Fredericton go to different universities and colleges, and we don't really know a church there for them to be a part of. Say, well, you could check out this church. We're not quite sure. We don't really know. You could do this. And how many times people come back and say, there's nothing quite like our church, not in a prideful way. It's just reality. It's like, man, if we could have a church there, so when our people go there... And then if people knew in PEI at Charlottetown that there was a church in Fredericton, if they came to UMB or Stu or the community college, and if anyone went to Dal, St. Mary's, and Mount St. Vincent's or anything, that we had a church there. And if they went to Memorial, we had a church there. And if anyone from St. John's came to here, we had a church here. Do you get the picture of working together that we don't even have that benefit yet, but we will. Okay? And that's going to be a strong engine for what God wants to do through us, okay? The other thing is international students, okay, we're to go to the nations. The nations come to university and colleges, and it's true. So we have nations coming to our own backyard. What a great opportunity for us in all these different ways, okay? That's a whole thing unto itself, and I mean, I remember one of our Sundays back in November, I just quickly counted, so I could have missed someone, even in our little church in Fredericton, one Sunday morning, we had 18 nations represented in our worship time together, okay? And I could have missed a few, okay? It's incredible. And again, that's a picture, the body of Christ, picture of heaven, okay? And we just know all through these things, you reach the people that are going to influence. And a lot of the times, you're going to reach the people in these universities, all the different things that affect culture in every way that are going to affect the rural areas. So you get teachers saved, and they go to teach in Pugwash. We've got Christians in Pugwash, okay? That's how you reach your rural different areas, because these people are influencers to all stratas of society all across Atlantic Canada, okay? So quickly moving on. What was our first example? Ha! Us! (laughs) It's true, okay? Because we're one of the 12, so... This is what I came up with, so it's probably going to grow because you're going to go, Edmonton has a community college. Okay, so maybe Edmonton's number 13, okay? So you're just going to, the list will keep growing, but this is what I started out with. Just with Nova Scotia, we got Halifax, Antigonish, Sydney, Wolfville, Truro, okay? And how many people know there's a university in Church Point, Clare, Nova Scotia, a few, that's right, French University, so that's key, Okay. Um, New Brunswick, Fredericton, Moncton, St. John, Sackville, and all your other ones that you're going to add to it over the next little bit. Newfoundland, St. John's, PEI, Charlottetown. So, yes, we love Summerside, so 
we're not counting Summerside out. So don't get mad at me on too many of those things, okay? That's just a starting point, all right? But those are some of the things. And Fredericton is on that list. And if you look at our things, okay, sorry, for our university and college, this is not an exhaustive list, but it might just build your faith just to hear. And again, I'm saying, God, we water, we plant, we sow, we reap. And so I'm not saying we take all the credit for these things. That's not just saying we're playing our part in the kingdom of God. Okay, here's just a few, a few because I'm going to leave some people out. So if you're listening online and you're one of them, I apologize now. Okay, we had Tim and Catherine Cross with us. Okay, believe God put them here sovereignly. They were supposed to go to Korea. They got pregnant. They couldn't go. They didn't know what to do. They landed in Fredericton. Okay, and they would say as part of their testimony, okay, being with us helped transform, heal them up transform their view of church, okay? And we sent them out in a wonderful way to Australia, and they're helping a little New Frontiers church where they are in Australia. Fabulous, incredible, okay? Okay, Clyde and Rochelle, part of our family of churches, they're church planning, just starting a church in downtown Toronto, okay? The first three people, or three families that we got them, that they got connected with came from Fredericton. So here's, it's amazing. Okay, so we had Roger and Claire from China. You remember Roger came through Alpha. God saved him. Claire came over. I mean, that's a miraculous story. I could go on. That's incredible, okay? Got a job in Toronto. Connected them with Clyde and Rochelle. So they're first people from Fredericton from China. The second people, you remember Rose, Jumi, Juby from Korea with us to Toronto. Sent them to Clyde. So now we've got China and Korea represented. And then a year ago, we baptized Howie here from Germany. Howie got a job in Toronto. First person we connected it with, Clyde and Rochelle. So the first three groups that Clyde and Rochelle welcomed to their home to Toronto from Fredericton represented China, Korea, and Germany. So that's just a little interesting thing. James and Liesl were with us. So you got someone from B.C. who met a girl from South Africa in Taiwan who came to Fredericton, who'd never been to Fredericton before, walked by our church building, felt God say, that came the first Sunday we're in. <laughs> Fabulous couple. James went to law school. Now they're part of the key leaders with Reese and Sarah in Vancouver. Okay? And we just sent out Janelle, Lydia, we prayed for them a couple weeks ago, back to Alberta. They're talking about church. They're helping their things. We had the Standin sisters. Remember Rebecca and Janet were with us all the way through university? I know. They're rocking, eh? Rebecca's right now in Cambodia. Janet's in Korea. And which one emailed you, Gary, about the prophetic word in Rebecca? It was incredible. Gary got this several months ago. Rebecca sent this incredible uh, thing to Gary and Barb just saying, hey, back at 17 to 22s, you prophesied this thing. You prayed this thing. I didn't quite understand it, but I've been holding on to it. And now, here I am, and I recognize everything's come true, and I just want to thank you for pouring into us and everything. I mean, powerful, powerful. Adam and Kim J. Hey, Adam and Kim. <laughs> we'll come back to their story. They were here, PEI. I Skyped with Jonathan Ritchie just yes, uh, Friday. Jonathan's in Vietnam. Incredible things God's doing. I can't even tell you about them because I can't put them on line, okay? But incredible what God's doing. And again, we just played a small part in him, everything there. Martin and Ann. Hey, Martin and Ann. From Germany via Alberta. 
incredible. Fredericton, and now we're sending them off to parts unknown um, that we can't give specific things there, but uh, incredible. And that's just even just a beginning. I can't even tell you about all the international students because I've lost count, okay? Our most recent ones, Frank and Nesneth, were with us before Christmas, way back in our early days. We had a Yako come from Japan, and international student came to Alpha, got saved, sent her back to Japan, and we're just like, oh, man, back to Japan. Like, how are we going to? John and Lisa were there, and, like, it was just amazing how two streets over. I mean, it was like, you can't make this stuff up, people. I mean, it was just like incredible, and we've been able to have people from all over the nations, okay? Military with Ormokdo, Gagetown, so many people come throughout the years. They're with us for a season. They're gone for a couple years. They're back again. They're with us for six weeks. They're gone for six years. They come back again, and just again, we're just playing a small part of that, okay? That's just a sampling, okay, of just us here in Fredericton, but can you see that in all these different locations, okay? Here's another one. I got a letter for one of our university students. Um, and folks, again, can I just say this, okay? Moving team, when you're setting up Sunday morning, you're wondering, like, th- does this really matter, okay? Okay, listen to this one, okay? Worship teams, every, everybody, life group leaders, all that, okay? When you grow weary in doing good, remember you're making a difference, all right? I just got, Angela, I got this letter um, from this girl. I couldn't track her down to get her permission to share it, so I'll just share a little bit of it. She wrote us this. She's like, power. She goes, thank you so much for inviting me into your home for all your help throughout the year. You and your church welcomed and led me into a real relationship with God. I can't thank you enough. And this is what she said. I feel like the real reason I came to Fredericton was so that God could bring me to Christ Central. My old perception of Christianity has been completely broken. Okay? So she's saying, I don't feel like In the sovereignty of God, I was led to go to UMB or Stu or anything else. I realize now God sent me to be part of this church because that's the most important thing. Okay, those are just samplings. Okay, just samplings. And this is happening all the time. Okay, and we could go on and on and on. So, folks, it's not about numbers, all that, but it is about reaching lots of people. Okay, and it's about reaching in people's lives are changed, okay? And we can, we're not even into talking about youth and street level and every aspect of church life has all their own stories. But I'm trying to whet your appetite to say God's used us just to get started and we want to see all those things take place in all these other towns and cities as well. Okay? okay. We're going to keep going, okay? I know this is a long one, but we got this is important, Okay? So, again, I just need to fill you in a little bit on the faith story for Charlottetown. I know I need some Kleenex, I think, uh, on, for all these things. Whew, that's powerful. Just take a second, get, wipe your eyes. All right. I had a few more, but I, I couldn't get through them. I'm sorry, I won't be able to get through them. So we've got to keep going. Okay. One thing I, I neglected to mention, and this is important, just before I share about Charlottetown, because it goes right into it, okay? And these are great questions. I, I said them a few weeks ago in part of a message, okay? Great questions. So hear my heart. They're great questions, and I'm not... When people ask them, they're great questions. They're the right question to ask. So questions that get asked the most, okay? Why would we plant another church when these cities have, like, hundreds of churches already, okay? Or hundreds might be over, but you understand, okay? It's a great question 
to ask. And Paul uses this phrase. I don't know if he caught it back there. He says this, I want to go where people don't know Jesus. So we're saying universities and all that and all these different things, working with the poor, different things, are a lot of places where people don't know Jesus that we're going. But Paul says this very interesting phrase, and this is why we church plant. He says, I don't want to build on anyone else's foundation. So people ask me all the time, Joe, there are all these churches that are struggling. Why don't we just try to go and help these churches and everything? Folks, I'm telling you, it doesn't work. Okay? There's, an, there's another foundation. There's another foundation laid in doctrine, about leadership, about how decisions get made, about the Holy Spirit, about the gospel, about all these things. And we'd be years and years, and we'd actually do probably more harm than good. And we'd fight and cause division and everything. It's way easier just to go and start something new. Now, that doesn't mean we don't work with other churches. And I hope you understand, and we've experienced it over the years in Fredericton, we love other churches. We pray for them. We've given them money. We support them. We work together on campus for Alpha. We, okay, so we're, it's not a prideful thing at all, okay? Humbly, we work with other churches. We love other churches. We bless them at our prayer meetings. We're praying for other churches to be blessed, okay? And guess what? There's other churches that are being blessed and are bigger and doing great things right in Fredericton, and we aren't discouraged or we're not in competition. We bless that hallelujah, but we're going to do our part. And we can't lay a foundation, we can't build on someone else's foundation. Okay, so there's lots of things already in Charlottetown. Absolutely, we're going to bless them in these other cities, but we can't, we can't build on someone else's foundation. So that's why we church plant. That's one of the main, it's, it's far, honestly, easier, as much as there's hard work and we don't have buildings and all these things. It's, you got clear ground to build as we believe God's called us to build, okay? Faith story for Charlottetown, very quickly, okay? As we sent Adam and Kim, so Adam and Kim were part of it. So this is, okay, this is, I got to share the story because I think this story is going to be repeated many times, okay? Adam's from Prince Edward Island, Kim's from Nova Scotia, Cain got part of her church, were able to marry them, work with them and everything, and Adam, a job opened up, felt called back to Prince Edward Island, and December 10th, I think it was, of, uh, no, it's December 12th. I know, I like dates, I'm sorry. <laughs> December 12th, 2010, at our prayer meeting. So this is really key how prayer meeting and prayer plays such an important part. We prayed for Adam and Kim that night, and we had prophetic words for them. And we knew this, and we said it. Adam and Kim, we feel in God that we're joined together, and we're going to do something down the road. But right now, we don't know what that looks like. We don't have any leaders to lead anything. They didn't feel called to be the main leaders. So we said this, we're going to keep in touch. We're going to keep connected. They listen to the messages online. We're going to visit you. We're going to pray, and we're going to see what God's going to do. But it could be five years, ten years. We don't know. But we just know somewhere down the road, we're going to be working together. And one of the words that came out that night, um, Barb shared it. Okay, and she, these are the notes, okay? Barb said that she said, I see a picture of a barn raising, components built separately and then put together. God has been and is building components, okay? Things are going to come together faster than you think. All of a sudden, a barn is there, okay? And um, say the next one, you can take it for what it's worth. A lot of young boys who have strong backs but no experience working along with older men who don't have much strength but do have 
experience. And there was a sense that, you know what? God is doing a lot we don't even know about yet. And he's putting pieces together and components together. And that one sort of stood out among all the others. So Adam and Kim go to PEI. And we pray together. And we're like, hey, we'll just see. And so they came to this church weekend two, two years ago. So 20, May of 2011. In that time, when Jeremy and Ann were over in April of 2011, um, they had to fly to Halifax and said, well, let's go to Prince Island just so you can see where Adam and Kim are. We believe God's got something for us there in the future. We don't know what. So on our way back to Halifax, Jeremy and Ann and I drove to PEI. We stayed overnight with Adam and Kim, visited them, met their family, went to the farm, all of that. And as we were driving to Halifax the next day, okay, all I, could be th- all I was thinking about was Andrew and Janet in Owen Sound. And I was thinking that, but I didn't say anything. So then Jeremy, as we're driving to Halifax, we're just saying, you know what? Like, we need someone who could be in Charlottetown who could relate to university students, all of that. But also we need someone who can relate to farmers and rural and everything as well. And Jeremy said, well, I'm just going to say it because I know this is crazy, but all I can think about is this. I just kept thinking of Andrew and Janet Dreiser. And I said, I was thinking the same thing. So we just laughed and we were like, well, we'll just kind of wait and see what happens. So the next day, I take Jeremy to Halifax, drop him off the airport. The next day, I get an email from Jeremy. It's from David Campbell, who leads the church where Andrew and Janet are at, and uh, lead elder, and Andrew's one of the elders. So they come back from Fredericton, and Andrew and Janet had shared with David how on their heart was church planning, but they didn't know quite where, and they were thinking about where in Ontario and all these different things. So David, unbeknownst, he wouldn't have known we'd Charlottetown a lot, he emails us and says, hey, I've talked to Andrew and Janet. They're thinking about, he goes, I just kept thinking, you know what? I don't know if Ontario, bigger city and all that's the right thing. He goes, maybe somewhere more strategic like Charlottetown, where he said they could work with you and Joe and the team there and everything. So Jeremy writes me and says, so what do you think about that? I said, well, that gives me enough faith to say, look, we should talk to Andrew <laughs> and Janet. So Jeremy Skyped Andrew and Janet and said, hey, we've just been to Charlottetown. David said this, so, you know, would you even consider it? And they said, no. (laughs) No. It was a very short conversation. Done deal. So Jeremy emails back and said, I Skyped with him, but uh, it was no. So they're like, okay, well, we did. So then Andrew and Janet bless them. They come back very humbly and say, you know what? We kind of said no without really thinking or praying or anything. So we needed some time to think about it and pray about it. And they came back about a week later and said, you know what, for us to really make a decision, you know, it would be unfair if we don't even, like, if we don't even go to Charlottetown. And, but we're not telling anyone. We don't even want to meet Adam and Kim. We just want to go totally under the radar because I think they already knew. We know what the answer was no, but we'll kind of just go through the motions to make sure that we've done it. Now, this is my faith and this is my anal organization, okay? (laughs) I talked to Adam and Kim. I didn't mention anything about Andrew and Janet, but by faith I said, you know what? Is there a weekend maybe in June that Angeline and the family could just come over and see you guys? Because I just didn't want them to be away the weekend that I'm going to book these guys. (laughs) And so we reserved this weekend. So then about a week later, again, so now we're like the end of, we're into May. Andrew and Janet call, say again, say, you know what? 
if we're going to go to Chinatown, it'd be crazy not to meet Adam and Kim. Do you think you could arrange something for us to meet them? I'm like, I can arrange it. <laughs> it's already been arranged. <laughs> I know, eh? I was just like, confession time. It's like... So then, two years ago at this weekend, I sat down over here at mealtime with Adam and Kim and said, Adam and Kim, here's the deal, okay? We've got this couple. We're thinking about they're just going to come, so that's why I booked that time in June. We're coming over in a few weeks. We're not trying to make anything happen. We just want you to meet them. We're just going to pray together, and we'll, we'll just see what God does. So Andrew Janet came under the radar, met with Kevin and Marilyn, Gary and Barb, Angela and I, we prayed together before the weekend. Kevin and Marilyn, our family, Andrew and Janet, went to PEI for the weekend, met with Adam and Kim. And Kevin and I, we said, we're not going to try to sell this at all. So we didn't brag up about PEI. We didn't brag about the beaches. We didn't do <laughs> anything. We just kind of said hands off. We gave them lots of time with Adam and Kim, and we're just going to pray in the background. And then like in 24 hours, God really knit. Adam and Kim and Andrew and Janet's hearts together, okay? And fast forward, they had to go back, share this with their family, and their family said, no, we're not going. And all the pain of working through, you know, living in Owen Sound all their lives and established and kids in school and six kids and, you know, the whole thing. And we went again in September to Owen Sound for Kevin, Marilyn, myself. We were with Jeremy and Ann, and we met on a Friday night with the whole family. They could ask any question and we're, it, kids are crying, and I mean, it was the whole, but we worshipped, and we really felt in that, and they felt as a family, you know, this is what we're called um, to do. And so then for the next year, we're working out a game plan, which came to last April, so just over a year ago, that uh, as we met in Fredericton, we came up with a plan, and as part of that, we said for Angie and their family to move to Fredericton for a year to get to know the church, to be trained here and work together so that we can send you and we said we're going to believe that as you're here for a year God's going to join some other hearts from families and that with you so that we can send a team and at that same time Jeff and Allison came for a year and the weekend we shared with our church about what we were doing about Andrew and Janet coming here looking at Charlestown Jeff and Allison weren't there on the Sunday morning so poor Allison comes to prayer on Sunday night as we're going to pray for this Allison what are you guys talking about Charlottetown? we're saying, well, we shared this morning about Andrew and Janet. We're going to come here for a year. And I said, weren't you there? And she said, no, we were in Charlottetown for the weekend. And Jeff just signed a job offer as a lawyer in Charlottetown. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> so God's putting components and things together. So we had Jody come last May. So this is her one-year anniversary being here at the church weekend. She was the first fruits. And we're keeping her a bit longer. Um, or maybe a long, a long, long time. But anyways, we're still working on that. Andrew and Janet came in August and have been with us. And it's gone by like that. But honestly, I don't think it could have gone any better. The only thing is, we're really, really, really going to miss them. That's going to be the hardest part. And so just in a few weeks' time, they're going to be moving to Charlottetown. And uh, in a little bit later, we're going to pray for them and the families that are involved um, with that. Okay? So in that, there's big strategy. Hey, Charlottetown's one of those 12 towns and cities. There's Holy Spirit everywhere because you're going like, okay, Adam and Kim are there. And 
I mean, how many times don't I come and say, I'm just, I have to apologize. We have no leaders. We don't know what's going on. You know, this could be years and everything. But God, building components, putting people together, prophetic words, Holy Spirit working together, relationships building, faith, and then the big obedience for them to be able to move, okay? So it requires God speaking, and we obey. Now, this is the last thing, okay? And then we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pray for the Charlottetown crew, and then we're going to pray for us as Fredericton. So here's the thing. Everyone here in Fredericton, listen up. Okay, this is for us. Paul also writes this, and this is our last point. He's writing to the Romans, and I believe this is me speaking to you here today, okay, and helping to lead you folks. He says, I myself am satisfied about you. So a weekend like that, I'm going like, I'm pretty satisfied about you, okay? And if you're at our prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago, okay, that's a true test of what church life is like in church, dealing with crisis and loving, compassion, forgiving, believing God, here this weekend, worshiping God, all those things, okay? He says, I'm satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct one But on some points, I've written to you very boldly, by way of reminder. Okay, so there's many things here this morning as a church, we, in one sense, in a right way. I'm not saying we've arrived, I'm just saying as a, we take time out and we're grateful, we're thankful that Christ has built, okay, some maturity and conformed us more to the image of Christ and different things. But there's a few things we need to remind ourselves of, okay? And this is the most important one, and you need to listen to Mark's message again, that every one of us is qualified, okay? So I'm going to call a few things, just I'm going to try to hit them right on the button, okay? And this will be your number one thing that the enemy will try to tell you, is that all the important, special, chosen people are moving to Charlottetown, Halifax, everything else, and all the leftovers are here in Fredericton. So I'm just going to nail it right on. Some of you will think that, or you'll be tempted to think that, okay? Here is the reality. If you were here in Fredericton, God has sent you to Fredericton. So you are valuable, important, okay? You were actually sent first to help get some of these things started. And guess what? Is the whole city of Fredericton saved yet and knows Jesus? Then we've got a lot of work to do, okay? And that's us, okay? That's us here in Fredericton, okay? And we need fresh vision, okay, for us to reach our city, okay? And so what we've done as elders, okay, we, one of the things we've done, we've gone through, um, we have about 230 or so age 16 and above in our church, and we've gone through every person, okay, and we've looked at what are you involved in, what are you not involved in, what do we think you should be involved in, a lot of that's been talking to you. And we're trying to tweak some things to become more effective and more efficient in so many things. So we have a few of you, I think, that aren't serving in the right areas. So we're going to ask you to change some things around. Some of you are working in five areas. We're going to ask you to work in two or three. Some of you are working in zero. And we're going to ask you to work in one or two. Okay? Because we need everybody on board serving in some way. God's given you gifts. We're a team. We're working together. And we need to make sure that we've got the right people in the right places, and so we're 
over the next um, few months, we're going to be tweaking things, and I'm going to give you just a few updates on some of these things, all right? One is, I want, to, I want you to see just the opportunity we have with Kids Church, okay? Folks, we've got like 90-plus children age 12 and under, so everything I'm saying this morning, that's them going out over the next 10, 20, 30 years, okay? And we have an opportunity now. So when we ask you to serve in kids' church, okay, you've got to have the mentality of, oh, man, I'm going to miss worship, I'm going to miss the message, and all that. You've got to have new eyes to see. I've got an opportunity to influence from a young age and grow these kids up that the Holy Spirit is not something they find out about when they're 25, but when they're five. And they learn to worship God at a young age, and they get to learn about spiritual gifts, and they learn about baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they learn about tongues and interpretation, and they learn about being witnesses, and about being missionaries into their schools, and in their neighborhoods. They learn about church planning. They learn about, hey, you know what? Matthew had to give up, Dryza, go to a new middle school, Beth, Naomi, go to new schools, no friends, everything, but we're following Jesus. Our family's been called to this, and we're going to follow Jesus. And we need that imparted into our kids. And we've got a great opportunity. How many pastors I meet, and I talk to them all the time, okay? They have zero kids in church, in their churches. Like zero. Like zero. Okay? Our kids' church is larger than many churches. So we've got to say, God, what, do you, what are you doing? What are you blessing that we need to get on board with? Okay. So Kids Church is a huge thing, and I mean extension by that, really fuel in our youth and teens and everything. So, folks, that's an incredible opportunity. Okay. And we try to have worship at TAG, so if you miss some worship, you got it. Life groups, the messages are online. You're reviewing the message in life. You're really not missing out, actually. You should be going, what's God going to do today in kids' church with these guys? So you should have the same mentality coming to serve in kids' church as you do when you're part of the Sunday meeting. Okay? And as part of that, as we shared at our annual meeting, okay, we recognize that's a whole church, and we said that we're going to start, hopefully by mid-year, we're going to create a position to help employ someone part-time to help us organize that better, to pour into it, to recruit leaders, to train leaders, to train everything. And after much prayer and working through all that, it's my joy this morning to say that we've asked Gord Wilson to take that position. And so, Gord, it's Gord. Where is Gord? There you go. So Gord said a big yes to that. And so we're thrilled that uh, Gord's going to take that and run with it more. And um, the other thing that does, it helps because we've got other things we want Brent to be working more in. So Brent and Gord are going to transition and work together next few months in that. And so that will help us to be able to do the things that we feel Brent uh, is strong and wants to do as well. Okay. We're going to introduce some things just over the next couple of months regarding our Sunday meetings. We've, we've, we've looked at rehauling the whole thing. And so over the next couple of months, we want to just share some things with you. Most of it has to do with size and leading a meeting and all those things of um, it's different, okay, from where we started, like, with 20 people to 50, 100, 152, now 250, okay, and our dynamics at being at the campus, and there's just a lot of things that we need to look at, and so we're going to share some things that we hope um, will help facilitate 
Okay, us worshiping God, spiritual gifts, meeting with God, and we feel that we've got some things that we need to look at changing. And so we're going to look at maybe using the month of August to uh, sort of practice or sort of do a test run on some of those things. And then if they keep going well, we'll keep going that into September. And so give us some grace as we explain those things over the next couple of, of months. And I can't say it enough. A lot of what we shared here this morning, those prophetic words, those leadings from God, they all came from our prayer meetings. Okay, I should have highlighted that more. They all came from our prayer meetings. Okay, so here's your biggest thing. The way our church structure is, okay, it's not like some other churches where you get a vote, democratic, all that. Your biggest vote is this, is your prayers. Okay, if you want to be heard, you pray. Okay, because we believe Jesus is leading his church, the Holy Spirit, and God can speak through any one of you. Okay, and a, most, a lot of things that we shared about, okay, God gives us as elders and that sort of overall, but most of it comes from you guys, hearing from God, and you fill in the bigger picture. It's you filling it and living it out. So prayer is absolutely key, okay? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how we need finances for these things, okay? And we really made a call out um, in this whole thing of the grace of giving, but there's a commitment, there's a whole part of sacrifice, and we're able to sow into these things. And as I said, part of how God set up church life, okay, is we believe God's provided for us everything we need within our own church. So I said it about a few weeks ago, okay, we're not into fundraising, okay, so not putting other groups down, I'm just saying we're not into fundraising, we believe if everyone gave accordingly, um, and obeying God and giving cheerfully, all of our needs will be met. And our offerings have gone up since we spoke about that. Hallelujah. And we believe that that's going to continue because there's a cost to these things. Okay, our gift day up until whatever might be given today over the next few weeks, which is going towards our, hopefully, our future uh, building and things like that. So just an update on that. I should, oh, here we go. Um, we've looked at a building and uh, we've tried to make it work, and right now um, the door is more closed than it is open, and so we're going to continue to pray and wait, and we're still in dialogue with those things, so we're hoping that there's a possibility by this time we'd be able to say, hey, here's a building we're looking at, get people behind it, Um, we're not there yet, and so we're going to do the less is more instead of leading you into all kinds of, oh, we're going this way, oh, we're going that way, it could be this way, it could be up here, we're just going to say, we don't know yet, okay, and we need to keep praying and seeking God. We've got a lot of feelers out. We are in contact with a lot of people. We're doing our part to be common sense, knocking on doors, everything. But we feel God hasn't opened the door yet. And we believe that when God opens the door, it's going to be a God story. And he'll get the glory. But we're not there yet. Um, Gift day, uh, towards our fund for that, because we know we need money. As of this week, we are at $31,601.93. So, hallelujah. I will mention this for people who like round numbers, okay? When that gets added to our account, our special capital fund that we're putting money aside, that takes us to $448,600. So if you want to round that up to $450,000, or if you want to round it up to $500,000, We're going to take an offering here in a little bit, okay? We like round numbers. Okay, last couple of things, okay? All right, 
is this whole thing, outreach and with our life groups. So life groups, again, hey, sometimes we understand. We're talking to people and say, hey, sometimes life group is a bit boring. Sometimes, hey, I think we lost something, all that. We hear you, okay? We, we take all that in. And with Ollie and others, we've been looking at some different things. And we're looking at tweaking some things, maybe trying a few things differently and all that. So we hear you. We're aware. And we're trying to say, how can we better make disciples? How can we better foster community, outreach, all those things? We're on it, okay? So we're going to keep going with that. With our whole outreach thing, we felt like we've just kind of been missing a piece of the puzzle. And so, um, again, how God works in the body and gives people and gives everything. So Adam Lanzel came to us, and Adam said, you know what? I'd like to be sort of like a facilitator that if people have ideas and different things that feels like there's a connection missing from sometimes people, life groups, and all that, having an idea, but how do we actually bring it to fruition? And Adam said, I really feel like I could be a guy that could help with that because before it gets to the elders and things, I could help people looking at ideas and pulling other people together, maybe have the same ideas and budgets and different things. And so Adam stepped up to say, hey, I want to be a facilitator. Now, here's the thing. This is not what it is. This is not a few keeners like Adam doing all the evangelism, and everybody else says, well, Adam's going to do it. Um, I'm out. That is not what we're doing. And if it goes that way, we'll shut the whole thing down. This is Adam saying, I want to empower everybody to be involved in outreach. I want to help life groups. I want to help individuals. I want to help people together to be a facilitator and a catalyst so that the whole church, because all of us are called to share our faith in all kinds of different ways, but Adam's going to help us in that. Okay? So am I clear on that? That's a great thing and probably maybe one of the pieces of the puzzle we were missing. Okay? And the last thing is this. Last but not least. If you follow what Paul has said, okay, and he said this, I make it my ambition to go and to preach Jesus and the gospel where Jesus is not known. Okay? God's been speaking to me, and again, I have more questions than I do answers, but I know this. Okay? If you looked at Fredericton, you looked at New Brunswick, I believe our least reached people are our French-speaking communities. And in Fredericton, so <coughs> you can talk to me later if I'm wrong, because I just could be naive. Okay? Besides the Catholic Church, I don't really know of any, and we'll just use these terms just to kind of paint a picture, Protestant, evangelical, charismatic, French-speaking churches in Fredericton or the surrounding area, okay. let alone First Nations. So I know that Sunset has done some things, and there's different things, okay? I don't speak a lick of French, okay? So that scares me, because God's putting it on my heart, and I don't know what to do with it, but I'm going to share it with you to say, I believe in this whole new sort of fresh thing of having faith for our own church here in Frederick and all that. Somehow, and in some way, we're going to have something to do with reaching into, okay, and providing our brothers and sisters, French-speaking, to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, to hear about the grace of God, to hear about the Holy Spirit, to hear about the love of God, to hear about worship, okay, that's in spirit and in truth, to hear about this incredible 
church that God's bringing together of every tongue, tribe, nation, coming together in unity, one new man in Christ, worshiping God together, okay, in different languages, everything. And we're going to be part of that. Now, right now, how are we going to? I don't have a clue, okay? But I do know this. God's putting it on our radar, and God will provide. Because when he calls, he provides. And that's going to be one of the things. Not the only thing, but that's going to be one of the things. And I do believe this. As God establishes things here in Fredericton, French speaking, that's going to help us reach Moncton. And I do believe this. Moncton's going to help us reach into the province of Quebec. Okay? So that's long term. Okay? So we need lots of Christians in Quebec. Okay? Because I think we could say on Mike, okay, our most unreached people group in Canada is the province of Quebec. So God's going to use somehow, I believe all my heart, Fredericton, help us to reach New Brunswick, and from there, reach a French-speaking people going into Quebec to help us share the gospel in Quebec. Okay. So if you think we've arrived, we're just getting started, folks. Okay? Now here's the thing, last thing, is that Mark's challenged us to remember what the promises are that God's given to our church. That's a bit of a tough one, because I've had to work out what are promises I believe God's given to me, personally, and what are promises that have been given to the church here in Fredericton. And some of them might be connected, and some of them are a bit separate. So my challenge for you, okay, is to what stands out in your mind as promises that God has given this local church, okay? Now, I think I got a few of them, okay? We've always been all the way along said that we're going to be ascending base, like an Antioch church, that Jesus said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I believe God said to us, we're going to train workers that are going to go out into the harvest field. And so that was just a small sampling, wasn't it, this morning? And there's many other Adam and Kims and others that are going to go forth from here. That's one that really stands out to me. We're going to be ascending church, and that's already happening the challenge what other things do we have that we can bring back before god and say god we believe that you've spoken this we believe that you've promised this we need to see your provision and seeing it fulfilled to your glory okay and i'm going to end with this quote again and i've used it how many times okay but it keeps coming back to me and i thought it was just appropriate again for us here this morning and it was one of our first messages in january Okay, I mentioned it a few weeks ago on the whole go and make disciples. Okay, and I know some of you have really taken this to heart, and I believe it's for us again. This whole thing of Jesus saying, you come and follow me. And there's a personal, individual part to that, and there's a corporate part to that as well. And Tim Keller in his book, King's Cross, said this. Jesus says, follow me. I'm going to take you on a journey, and I don't want you to turn to the left or to the right. I want you to put me first. I want you to keep trusting me, to stick with me, not turn back, not give up, turn to me, and all the disappointments and injustices that will happen to you, I'm going to take you places that will make you say, why in the world are you taking me there? Even then, I want you to trust me. So what we're going to do, because time's rolling right along, okay? No offense to all the people who prepared it. We're just going to skip the snack for now, okay? Because we need to keep going here, okay? We've had lots of food. No one's going to starve. We'll eat in a little bit, okay? But we need to 
hone in right here, okay? And while God's here speaking to us, I want to lead us for a moment to make a bit of an individual response here right now. Then we're going to pray for our Charlottetown crew, and then we're going to pray, well, we'll see kind of where we go from there, but I want us to pray for us as a church in Fredericton as well. But I want us to respond to this challenge, okay, that, or surely, it's actually more an invitation from Jesus this morning, that we get to an invitation to follow him, okay, to go and to make disciples, to go into all the nations, and we get to respond. We don't necessarily know where he's taking us or how we're, but there's a yes in our heart to say we're going to follow Jesus, and we're going to be part of this great adventure. So if you're able, let's stand together. God's here by his Holy Spirit, and he's inviting us okay, to this great adventure, all right, this great adventure of following him, and we believe one of the ways, the primary way he does that, okay, is he calls us to be part of establishing local churches, okay, that are his way, and it says in Ephesians 3.10, okay, that the church is the manifold wisdom of God, it displays God's glory, the powers, principalities, heavenly things. Okay, that's what he's using. And we want to be a part of that. Okay? And if you have got a yes in your heart through tears, okay? So this is the thing I told you, okay? You can wrestle with God. All right? You can wrestle with God because sometimes, you know what? You need to get some things pounded out of you um, in order to be in a place where you can say yes to God. But if you're able to say yes to this prayer that Tim has already put out there, okay, then I want you just to be able to pray that prayer, okay, and if you're able to, okay, I just want you to verbally, no pressure, okay, and if you're not saying it, no one's going to think that you're whatever, you just worry about yourself right now, but if you're able to pray that prayer, okay, there's power in confession, okay, we're just going to take a minute, I just want you to be able to pray that out loud, okay, sort of as a stake in the ground here this morning to be able to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you no matter what that looks like, okay? I might have more questions than I do answers, but that's okay, okay? I'm going to say yes to Jesus, okay? So we're going to take a couple minutes, and when you're able, okay, I'm not going to lead us all in unison, okay? You take your time. You might need a minute or two to count the cost, okay? You might need to renounce some things first. You might need to just, okay, start out of courage, and let the words come, okay? So Holy Spirit, would you come? I just pray now, Holy Spirit, would you stir hearts for a yes to follow Jesus Christ, to be Lord and Savior of our lives, to be Lord of head of his church. Lord Jesus, we want to be about your great commission of going, making disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, com- reminding them of the commands of Jesus, teaching them all, things. And Jesus, we know as we do that, you promise that you are with us. You'll never leave us. Hallelujah. And so Lord Jesus, just as you did with Paul, Lord, we want you to use us, Lord, in our day and in our time. Lord, we know that we're not the only churches. Lord, you're blessing using other churches. But Lord, we want to do our part, God, in this great body of yours, Lord. We want to do our part to be obedient to you. 
So if that's your heart prayer, okay? Just where you are, okay? You can just pray that prayer. You can just read that sort of that declaration of following Jesus. Okay, you can take your time, okay? And in a minute or two, we'll transition. We'll pray for our Charlottetown friends, okay? Thank you, Lord.